You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They've made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation out of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you, you have brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken against his people. The word of the Lord. We're going to keep the worship uh, the band up here. You may be seated right now. I want you to hear this message. And then we're going to go back to worship in a few moments. I just feel the real need to just be honest, just to be very, very honest these days. Being more honest with our leadership about what's going on in the church, things that are happening, more honest with myself about what's happening in me, more honest with people. There's this tendency to clam up when things are not going the way you want them to go and to sort of self-process and not talk. Salem, look around the room. Look at all the empty chairs. We do not ever need to be a mega church, ever. But we should pray that the people who are supposed to be here would be here. That they would find a way to get up and face the day. That they would not be distracted by things too marvelous or too wonderful than the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ that there would be consistency, motivation. You're ready, the ability to say no to something, to enter the presence of the Lord and then bring back to that thing you said no to something special from the throne room of God. 
our souls need to be reminded of our tendency to idolatry when life feels delayed or when we feel like time is running short. Ian, can you put up the the Baldwin quote? James Baldwin said this, it is astonishing the lengths to which a person or a people will go in order to avoid a truthful mirror. It is astonishing the lengths to which a person or a people would go to avoid a truthful mirror. We have to stand in front of Jesus, in whom we have our image, the mirror we look into to see ourselves, and say, where am I? Where should I be? How are we going to get there? Here's good news. As Stephanie was singing, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, I couldn't get the verse out of my head. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 10. It might be 2 Corinthians. But Paul says, and the rock that fed them, the rock, it says this, the rock that followed them was Christ. Now think of that. Frank, think of that. The rock that followed them was Jesus. I'm going to say it until you're scandalized by it. The rock that followed them, not that demanded it be followed, but the rock that followed them. Anthony read it this morning. You have asked me to go to green pastures, but I have turned and gone through the valley of the shadow of death. But the rock that follows us, his name is Jesus. He follows you. If you're home, if you should be here, here's the problem with where you're at. He is now showing up to where you are because he follows you to bring you home. There's a few people in the room where you're here in this house, but you're far from home. You're far from what you know home in the Lord to be, home in the healthy rhythms of life that have been so deeply disrupted by the world and also our own personal carnality a little bit. Is there somebody who could just say, my carnality a little bit? Thank you, Sophia. Truer words have nary been spoken. Moses goes up the mountain, Salem, and he doesn't come back right away. And they call it a delay. But he never said when he was coming back. How do they know it's a delay? He didn't say, I'll be back in three days. He didn't say, I'll be back in 20 minutes. I'm going to get milk. I'll be right back. You only call it a delay when you have stopped trusting in the timing of the Lord, have developed our own timing, and now we've determined that Moses is in a delay. But what they don't know 
is that God is doing something extraordinary, and this is what I want to say this morning. God held Moses on the mountain, you ready? Long enough for the golden calf to be built. He held Moses on the mountain long enough for the golden calf to be built. Because God saw that golden calf in their hearts the whole time they needed to see it. They needed to see what was in them show up in real time and in real space. So God waited, held Moses on behalf of the people long enough for what was in them to become a reality that is unmistakably true. And then he sent Moses down to intervene and to heal and to bring what will end up being a law coded, covered in a mercy seat by cherubim, the same cherubim that would show up in an empty tomb on an Easter Sunday to the women who came to the tomb. There is stuff inside of us that God has you in a delay in your life because wherever he has for you next, that golden calf can't come with you. What God has next for you, who God has next for you, what God has next for you, when God has next for you, that golden calf cannot come. He's going to wait until you build it. Listen, want to hear something funny? Aaron tried. Aaron realized something bad just happened. And the people said, these are our gods that brought us out of Egypt. And Aaron goes, well, you know, here's what we're going to do. Why don't we have a feast to who tomorrow? The Lord. Aaron realized, uh-oh, I somehow have to try to get this back. This is going wrong. You ever feel that in us where we, we, we have our idols? I'll talk about it in one second. We have our idols, and then we, there's that Aaron in us that's trying to pull us back away from them, but we just the allure is just so strong. What were the idols? Three here. Power, the desire to start controlling when your life feels out of control, making, I'm going to start making my decisions. My world is a church. I could go wherever I want on Sunday. No, nope, 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 nope. Up, make for us. They get controlling all of a sudden. And then they say make for us. Because all they know when things are going wrong, all they know, they have spent 430 years as slaves. They have been delivered for about 30 days. So all they know when things are going wrong is we have to start producing something. We have to make something. That's all they know. It's in their DNA to say, when things go wrong, I have to do something about it. Otherwise, we're going to get hurt. That's all they know. This isn't outright rebellion. This is learned behavior from seasons of trauma. We all revert back to the wounds that we are so familiar with when life gets real confusing and real disappointing. And then procrastination. They sat to eat and rose up to play. I don't need to preach on procrastination. 
I don't think. Does anybody know a thing or two about, I'll start in five minutes. As soon as, then I'll begin again. My daughter's raising her hand in the name of Jesus. Moses goes up the mountain. He doesn't come back. They say, what has become of this Moses? And they fill that space with an idol. Later on in our, in our Bible, flip some pages, Jesus ascends. He still hasn't come back yet. And every day, our flesh says, especially in times like this when you turn on the TV, what has become of this Jesus? Up. We have to do something. But Jesus gave us something to replace the golden calf. Moses didn't come back. They made a golden calf to help them survive the time between Moses' ascension and his return. But Jesus, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, has left us with something that's not a golden calf. It's far less exciting, it's far less expensive, and it's nothing we've created. He left us with a meal. Paul says, we eat this meal and we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So I want to invite you. That's my message today. I want to invite you, for you, and on behalf of anybody else that you know is struggling, God wants to move us. He wants to move you to the next phase of what he has for you. But there are idols in our lives and for many of us, honestly, I think one of the most shiny golden calves is the lust for our own personal opinion and our own ability to say we can do what we want. There's something about having agency that is healthy, but there's something about self-centeredness that is right next to it. I believe that the Lord wants us to begin today to start naming our idols, showing what they actually are, and asking the Lord to bring healing to our life. Jacqueline and I today, we were talking about this idea that they rose to eat and sat. They sat to eat and they rose to play and how it has to do with lust. I know we haven't dismissed the kids, so please, everybody, read between the lines right now. We said that lust is this. Listen carefully. Lust is any time you look at something that you don't have long enough to think that you can replicate it in your life. It's any time you look at something that you don't have long enough to think that you could replicate it or create it or make it happen in your life. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's relationships. For some of us, it's rekindling some sort of romance. Again, I'm reading between the lines. For some of us, it's retirement. For some of us, it's looking back on younger years when we were, felt like we were more ourselves, not realizing that the older you get, the more yourself you become. 
The world will tell you that you are well past your prime, but the Spirit of God, the story of Moses, the story of Jesus, every patristic father teaching known to man from the early church will tell you that the older you get, the more yourself you are and the more of a gift you are to everybody around you. You're not used up. You are ready to be a fount of wisdom, knowledge, and insight for those of us who are dumb. We need you. But sometimes we look at our younger years and we think, I got to somehow try to replicate that. And then others of us, we look toward those older years when we don't have to work anymore. We say, oh my gosh, if I could just replicate that, if I could just find a way to somehow become rich and famous with this little triangle, this little square that I have here, then maybe I won't have to work. It'll suck your soul dry, but you won't have to work anymore. But then there's all the other stuff that's not funny and you know what it is and it's not my business to know. But you know that there are some things that you have fashioned, both people in this room now and people watching from home or watching this tomorrow or the day after, where you, if you really stopped right now and said, am I being my true self made in the image of God? Is my life a witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Do I sit to eat and rise to play in the procrastination of my spiritual life and health? I'm just inviting you this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up right now. And here's just another one of those services, Salem. We're going to come to the Lord's table in a little while, but let's stand to our feet this morning. For some of us, our children are in the room, so let's be good examples. But as the worship team comes back, here's the thing. I have so much more that I want to say that I'm not allowed to, that I'm not going to. But if you're in between times right now, if there's burden, if there's delay, I'm telling you right now, it is because God is saying you can't go to the next place with that golden calf that is hiding behind your coat. You can't go. I love you too much to bring you into a new season that has new responsibilities with that idol that you're hiding. It will ruin the next thing I have for you, and it will not be helpful for the lives of the people around you. So again, I just say, as the worship team begins to minister, we're going to tarry in the presence of God for a little while. I ask you to receive this time as a gift. And if you can name that idol, if you know what it is, you're not going to write it down. We're not going to put it on paper. We're not going to do anything like that. I just ask that you would come to the altar, spend a moment or two with the Lord, and ask him in his divine mercy and forbearance to help you detach you cannot let go of the idols you've made. There's too much of yourself in them. You cannot let go of them. They are part of you. The gentle hands of Jesus in his Holy Spirit needs to come and touch your life and help us let go and not lose ourselves. Because honestly, some of the idols we have, they're actually holding us together. They're actually holding us together.
They're keeping your life held. Preachers will tell you all day, come and smash them. No, 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 no. The Spirit needs to hover over some people and teach you how to cultivate your way out of this idol. God will move you at the pace that you need so that every little bit you let go of the idol, he'll fill in a little bit more protection for you. And then you'll let go a little bit more and he'll fill in more agency for you because so much of our life is actually held together by our idols. But that life has a small ceiling on it, Salem. What God has for you is so far beyond what you could ask or think or scroll past or see an ad for. It's so much more. But we don't even have an appetite for those things anymore. We're not even hungry for things in us that are called virtue and righteousness and holiness and anointing and calling. They're they're just gone. They're gone. They're not part of our desire anymore. So maybe at the very least for somebody, God, I need a taste for it again. I need a taste for what you bled and died for again. I need a taste for what you go after me for every day of my life. I need a taste. I want to get hungry for it again. Somebody needs to leave here thirsty this morning because you're too quenched on the wrong things. Somebody needs to leave here starving because you're stuffed on the wrong things. I'm telling you, it's not all going to happen in one day, but God is going to begin a work this morning that you may leave here starting to feel thirsty. You may leave here feeling more alone. You may leave here feeling empty, and it's because he's weaning you off of this idol. And he's giving you a hunger and thirst for righteousness again. Salem, as the next few minutes go before we come to the table, let's examine ourselves before we come to the table by bringing the awareness that we need healing in our life to the Lord. Let's spend some time in his presence. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.